0: Hello, listeners. Before we start, we wanted to spend a moment on the current protests standing up against the racist treatment of the black community by authorities. While the three of us that entertain this are all white men, we want to recognize our privilege and want to use it to firmly stand with the black community. Staying silent on these issues is standing on the side of oppression. So though we know we don't have the largest platform, we want to use whatever influence we do have to spread a message of justice.
1: The events that unfolded on May 25th, 2020, showed the world what unrestricted power could lead to. The death of George Floyd showed severe flaws in our justice system that must be fixed. The police responsible for these acts deserve severe punishment. Now is the time to act, not only to honor George Floyd and the many others who have lost their lives due to police brutality, but for future generations of people of color. We stand with the protesters who fight for that change.
0: If you are not able to attend these protests, please support the following organizations that are dedicated to fighting for this cause. The Minnesota Freedom Fund, the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, and the Equal Justice Initiative, links for which are down in the show notes. Now, on to the show.
1: The date is Friday, June 5th, and you're listening to Entertain This. A thought provoking podcast encapsulating all things entertainment. In this episode, Michael walks us through the fantasy world of Witcher and shows us the many ties to the human experience. Enjoy. How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to another
0: episode of Entertain This. My name is Michael, and I am joined by my co hosts. I'm Alex. And I'm Nick. Welcome back,
1: guys. I said that Hi. so sensually another... because we have been messing around so much before, and I, I don't regret it, and I'm glad I did it. Yeah. Ooh, we should
0: do an entire ASMR episode. Oh, my God. Here we, we go. Do... So we're all just whispering into the mics. We
1: were talking yeah. about starting a Patreon off mic, and that would be a really good Patreon uh, Patreon reward, <laughs> is you get exclusive access to our, our hidden ASMR channel.
0: Ooh. Yeah, our totally not real ASMR channel.
1: it doesn't exist uh no it's not a channel it's more of like a google drive but
0: (laughs) whatever (laughs) but anyways uh yeah welcome to another episode um this week i'm hosting that's right uh and i am here to talk about something that i feel is quite is becoming more mainstream but still quite underappreciated in my humble opinion um we're actually going to cover like a few different genres of things this week. Um, we're going to be covering books, we're going to be covering TV series and video games all in one multimedia.
1: Mhm. Mhm.
0: It's a new age, friends. Uh, it's a new dawn,
1: it's a new day.
0: Mhm. So I am going to be talking about one of if not my favorite fantasy franchise of all time. The Witcher. Hey, Now, do you guys know much about The Witcher?
1: I know that the dude's constantly begging for money, probably. <laughs> I know nothing about The Witcher, but I do know you're supposed to throw a coin to him, and that's my knowledge. Mm. That's, that's that's the cap. Gotcha. That's about right, yeah. Mm. Uh,
2: my exposure the, is no... really limited to, I guess, The Witcher 3. Uh, I don't know how I got involved in that game. I saw everyone else playing it, and I was like, what's what's all the fuss about? So I got it, I played it, I beat it. And I was completely clueless the entire way through.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure. uh, So The Witcher 3 was my first one as well. And I had that same experience as you and me, the big nerd that I am, I went through and I read the wiki, still didn't learn enough. And I was like, well, shit. Now I've got to read like all eight books and play the other two (laughs) Witcher games in order for me to just understand what I did. And I have to say, it was one of the best experiences I've ever had, especially over like that intense oh, yeah. of a series. Um, Again,
1: completely lost as to what any of it is. Hey, <laughs> look at our return to formula, guys. It's been a while that we've I had know. an episode we did it. where it was, <laughs> we did it, we're back, because Michael, you're an expert in this. Um, Nick, you know a little bit, and I know nothing, which means we're back to our classic formula for some of the older fans of the show all all three of them. Hell yeah. If they're still around, of
0: course. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start off a little bit with like, what is The Witcher? Well, first off, it started as a uh, as a fantasy series, a fantasy book series written by a Polish author named Andrzej Sapkowski. Uh, does not, from reading the name, you would not think it's pronounced like that, but it is for some reason. I, I don't know Polish, but it makes no sense to me. So it was written in the mid it was started I believe in the mid 90s and eventually was translated into English in like the early 2000s gained a small like cult popularity Uh, but then um, a little video game company known as CD Projekt Red uh, made one of their first ever games uh, The Witcher they somehow acquired this license and eventually went on to create three uh three games the witcher the witcher 2 and the witcher 3 um which it's it's crazy to see because as you play through these games you can kind of see the progression of cd project red from this like you can kind of obviously tell that they have never done really much video game making with the witcher 1 it is a bare bones rpg uh the witcher 2 much better it is much better but it still has quite a bit of like polishing, and then The Witcher 3 is known as one of the greatest RPGs of it all is. time. Um, and it's it absolutely lives up to the expectation. Um, to the point where CD Projekt Red, for the first time in a long time, is branching off here, coming up, and they are releasing a new game called Cyberpunk. Mm.
1: Um, I've heard about cyber and it
0: is fun. one of th- <laughs> who hasn't. Yeah, it's one of the most hyped releases of so all much time art. now. Like it's insane, only because of the clout that they gained from The Witcher Three, really. Um, and then more recently as well uh Netflix came and they produced a full series starring Henry Cavill as the main uh character. Hey, that's Superman uh, with a mustache. <laughs> yeah,
1: Superman with a mustache. He refused to shave it so they had to CGI it off.
0: Oh, it looked absolutely horrible. Yeah, it was weird. But that's that's for another time. Uh, um So really recently, like people have because of how popular The Witcher 3 became, people just kind of understand this word witcher. Like it's just, it's this thing. That's a video game guy. Sure. Like it's like the doom guy or like the halo guy, like master chief. Like sure. It's one of those things, but uh, the witcher actually is a very interesting choice for a word. Um, So it is actually the male equivalent of witch. no way. So it's like a I thought that's yeah, like a, a good catalog. equivalent. No, so like here here's a here's a good equivalent to it. It's uh say, you know, like the term widow. Mm-hmm. Well, what's the male version of a widow? A widower. Uh and a lot of this a lot of these uh terms kind of go back to a traditional hunter gatherer mm-hmm. like role of societies where you have the witch. Um the witch is like they would she would stomp her ground, she would like settled in on a single like space she would offer like help to the community. she would stay rooted and uh like that was her like she stayed in one spot and helped her immediate vicinity over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Well, then you have the witcher, the witcher is more so like a um, a traveling hunterer of a witch, essentially, oh. And, yeah, so it's, like, he knows a little bit of magic. So, Nick, you played the yep. games. Um, in the games, you get these signs, which are essentially, like, a low-level magic that you can use, but it's used primarily in the sense of being able to, like, for combat, yep. essentially. Or protection um,
2: sometimes. Or just regular Jedi mind tricks. Yeah,
0: or protection. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, I'm lost. But it brings this is part of the like conversion from Polish to English Mm -hmm. is it was originally like this, his own word that he made up. Well, they felt weird having to make their own word for it. So they ended up just choosing this very weird mix of a witch and like a widower to form Witcher, which is neat. Um, Yeah. It's mind blowing. It's very neat. It's yeah. It's one of those things where like it, very much seems like someone trying to cheat at Scrabble. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, like oh, which like, is a real you know thing, I, <laughs> or like he played it look once in like the 70s. Look it up in the dictionary. <laughs> look it up in the dictionary. No, it's like because, like, you can all of valid plays you could do, like, which, which is, which ing, which e, which e er, which est. Technically all valid no words. The Witcher, uh-uh, get that out This is why uh-uh, we will, we will
1: never have an episode on Scrabble. <laughs>
0: no. Just sounds terrible. English majors are not allowed. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Everyone is welcome to the podcast.
0: <laughs> so, we kind of go back to a Witcher. So, it is the story of a singular Witcher. There are multiple Witchers throughout this world. Backstory, we're on an unnamed continent, mm-hmm. uh, unnamed fantasy continent that has been inhabited by elves, by dwarves, and then now by humans. Say with me, Nick. Um, D&D. <laughs> Hold up. <laughs> we are at this like unnamed continent with all these like fantasy species. Mm-hmm. It's filled with all these fantasy monsters, and obviously you need someone to kill the monsters. Yeah. Well, that's a witcher's job. A witcher is essentially a a person or like a man or a woman who was taken from a young age into a school, a school, a witcher school. Um, These schools are responsible for training these kids to eventually become these people that will uh, go out and fight monsters. But there's this weird like set of codes around it. Like a witcher never works for free. A witcher always has to make money. Um, even if it's like they, even if they accept the smallest amount, like essentially like if they want to do something essentially for free, they'll, they still have to ask for
1: a penny. So toss a Um, coin. There it is. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah,
0: there it is. Um, and they've kind of in this world made a reputation for themselves of essentially profiting off of people's misfortune, uh, which causes a lot of, um, a lot of bias against and prejudice against witchers. Mm -hmm. They're all kind of viewed as these mutants, which I'll get to in a little bit. They're viewed as basically these like troublemakers who just will ruin whatever place they come to. Uh, Because essentially what it is is like, okay, they travel to a place that is experiencing problems. They'd go in and try and fix it. But usually the problems end up becoming a lot more pronounced through them being there because they have to fix it
2: yeah um, that's the part I didn't understand, so they' like why do people hate witchers?'re yeah. they doing a, like an essential service. They're taking out the magical garbage of the land, so to speak.
0: well, it's because they don't do it for free that's that's what it is so <laughs> if if someone say it's like a peasant like peasants in this time period, it's based off of like old european uh mm. folklore uh so in this time, it's a lot of peasants who don't have money who are running into these problems well if a peasant doesn't have money, they can't have the service of a Mm. witcher. Um, So it's one of those things where it's like, yes, generally they are like pretty good people. Like they are uh, doing a good job, uh, but because they are having to profit off of other people's misfortune, it leads to a lot of um, prejudice against them. mm
1: -hmm. Yeah.
0: Ultimately it's a capitalist society. They have a negative
1: connotation. Right, exactly.
0: And then there's the whole side of, like, people, like, see them as mutants, which they actually kind of are. Um, So, witchers, when they are brought in for their training at these schools, they go through something known as the trial of the grasses. Now, what this essentially is, is they are uh, given a bunch of, like, antidotes and injected with a bunch of, like, mutagens to actually try and, like, mutate their bodies a little bit. Um to the point where it's just like increase their like how fast they are how strong they are their reflexes how well they can see in the dark it's like one of the side effects of this is they end up getting like cat-like irises Mm -hmm. which is Um, really cool (laughs) and it also is it it looks really fucking cool um and then they are also um let's see what is it i'm trying to remember a lot of this off the top of my head because i'm going on a little bit of a tangent here but um But yeah, essentially, they become pseudo-mutants. And it ends up becoming kind of what they're known for, is they are the monsters fighting monsters, Hmm. um, which throws a lot of people off as well. Uh, So you have like a monster who is accepted, quote-unquote, by society, who takes out the trash of the other (laughs) monsters. Yeah. So then uh, we put our focus a little bit more granularly on the main character Geralt Geralt is a man who when going through the trial of the grasses he uh was shown to have a much higher tolerance to these mutagens which led to him being experimented much more on than the regular Hmm. kids um And to give you an idea, only, like, three out of ten kids actually survived this initial trial of the grasses. And then Geralt essentially went through the trial of the grasses, like, five or six times. And through that stress, he gained his infamous white hair, uh, which he then became known as the White Wolf. Um, And he, because of that, has a much... Essentially, all those effects that I listened earlier, he experiences them at, like, five to tenfold.
1: Mm, Jeez. Yeah.
0: And it led to, like, him having, like, a really raspy, low voice. He's, like, this... In the books, they describe him as this, like, grossly, like, tall and skinny, like he looks like a mutant like he looks like a mutant and then um, they
1: casted him as beautiful in the next. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well who's part the hottest of that comes man from, we can uh, find <laughs> superman <laughs> yeah. fuck it dye his hair white
0: yeah for sure um it was one of those things where like first off like the first witcher game did a pretty good job of making him look kind of gross mm-hmm. second game it's like i don't know he's looking a little pretty. Third game, they gave him a beard and gave him a good good hairstyle, and it's just like, God damn it, he's, he's fucking He's a good fucking dude. I'll say it. yeah. <laughs> like he's he's a hot boy. He's covered in scars. He looks real edgy. Low gravelly voice. He's got the like yeah, the he's white like,
2: hair. I'm Gerald. Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm Gerald. <laughs> Gerald, sorry. I'm a Witcher.
1: <laughs> I'm the Witcher. There it is. Is
2: um, that it? Pretty close. Yeah.
0: Yeah, basically. Oh, nice. There you go.
1: Yeah. Voice <laughs> acting, ladies and gents. For
0: sure. There you are.
1: Oh, yeah. He looks gross in the first game.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, part of that is like due to it coming out in like 2005 hmm. or whatever.
1: What was the console um, that it was originally released on?
0: It originally only came out on PC. Oh, wow. Oof. Okay. Solely a PC game. Um, and I believe the second one also came out as a PC exclusive as well. And then the third one is the first one that came out for consoles.
1: That makes sense as to why it was both your guys' first experience with it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So mine was actually still on the PC. It was just, like, kind of similar to what Nick said. Is just I heard so yeah. much about it right. that, yeah, it just fell and ended up falling in love with it. And I fucking love it, and it's great. Yeah. I don't know what drove um, me to buy
2: it either. It's just, like, I saw all these people, well, you know what it was? It was summertime, and I don't have friends, so... I mean, what else are you going to do is uh, <laughs> play a video game for yeah. hours and yeah. hours on on end. But uh, <laughs> that's probably the
0: reason. Uh, but yeah. Um, so The Witcher is essentially uh, this story following Geralt and his tracks through the continent. Uh, the stories that he experiences, the different uh, trials and tribulations of him. It, it is a very like at its surface a very generic fantasy story. Um, the thing that ends up separating it is the topics that it ends up going over as well as how um, how well it executes talking about mm. those subjects. So to give you an idea, um, one of the topics that it talks about quite a bit and one of the themes is who are the real monsters? Ooh, that's a good um, one. So you have this monster hunter, you have this monster hunter who, um, his job is to go around and kill monsters. People think of him as a monster, but what ends up happening in most of the situations that he runs into is the real monsters are the people like Geralt is unique for a witcher and that he actually refuses to kill um, higher thinking monsters, which you actually run into a few times throughout the stories. He uh, runs into a man that was cursed to turn into essentially a werewolf, um, who speaks like as who still speaks the same. He just goes into like fits of rage, and Geralt's just like, I can't kill him. Like he's a higher thinking, higher intelligent monster. Um, they granted in the games. They play a little bit with this as a matter of giving you the choice to be Geralt in choosing what to do. But in the books, they very Andrzej Sapkowski very much sticks to this theme. Um, and one of the things that he uses for this is uh, the fact that Geralt actually has two swords. Um, he has a regular steel sword. That's meant for man. And then he has a silver sword the silver sword is meant for monsters. Mm -hmm. There's a few times though, where once he encounters like a really evil person, he pulls out that silver sword to kill a man. And usually those are very tense and very, uh... it's to highlight the, uh, the notion of like, you are an evil, evil person. I'm bringing out my monster killing. sword. I just thought it was because starting
1: to catch. Sorry, go ahead. I'm starting to catch the themes that we're we're pegging on here. Yeah.
0: Um, Sorry if I'm rambling very much on, like, all this stuff, but um, it's it's a hard series to talk about without talking so much of the backstory because a lot of it really informs who Geralt is and why he has certain um, character traits.
1: Well, take us into the lore.
0: yeah, the backstory is why yeah, I'm here. So essentially, <laughs> you are on this unnamed continent that, uh, before there were humans, there solely lived like elves and dwarves and gnomes, and they were like the ultimate purveyors of magic. Um, humans had no concept of this, and eventually, humans um, found their way to this continent. Uh, they learned and learned magic from the elves. And they ended up, like, uh, living side by side with them. Eventually, once they got a good enough handle on magic, they ended up using magic to try and exterminate the elves to claim it all as their own. Uh, and then from there, that created a long war between the two species. Eventually, uh, elves were kind of pushed to the fringe of society, um, which has lasting effects up until the modern day in the story. Uh, And from there, you have only select humans who are able to really use this magic, but they're able to use it incredibly well. Uh, And then you have these elves who have this very long, lifelong resentment towards humans. Um, And essentially, the story ends up taking place of this, like, it's the aftermath of this conflict between elves and humans, uh, which has led to, um, I can't remember what the event is called, but there's an event that happens that causes uh, magical creatures or monsters to start to appear throughout the continent. Mm. Um, and it is because of this that they need people like witchers to be able to kill them. Uh and a lot of these monsters are your classic fantasy monsters from folklore. It's like different kinds of vampires. It's like griffins, things called drowners, which are essentially like oh, super those zombies. are nasty. I don't like those. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. It's essentially these like zombified, bloated Ugh. bodies of people who drown, which it's oh, it's it's real gross. But. um it ends up uh, being this like very seemingly generic fantasy story. Um, You are dealing with a lot of political fallout from a hundred years war that happened between the different civil, different uh, human civilizations. Um, So it's like the war of the Northern armies is a big thing where it's, you have these armies of the North who have fought against this previously tyrannical, um, Civilization known as like Nilfgaard. Um, and it's a, Nilfgaard is essentially these this group of humans who are incredibly brutal in their approaches oh, yeah. to things. Um, and then it's these other continents that are also pretty brutal because it's a fucking fantasy, it's a medieval fantasy. Um, no one's innocent <laughs> in this. Uh, and it's all of them fighting and Geralt trying to find his way through it. So then, along with this, um, we have the first two novels. Novels, quote-unquote, is essentially a uh, grouping of short stories. Uh, and that's where this series kind of took off, is you have these like small individual stories of Geralt. After two of these novels were released, uh, Andrei Sapkowski transitioned it to a full saga. You have uh, a full saga about Geralt, a witch that he meets named uh, Yennefer of Wengerberg, um, and then a child named Ciri. Now, where they come into play is where Andre takes a hard look at what is destiny. Um, what is destiny? What are the effects that it has on the world around us and the people around hmm. us? Um And what I mean by that is um, there are certain key points in all of these mediums in the movies or sorry, not the movies, the TV shows, the video games, the books where something is said to be determined by destiny, whether that be through an oath or like a like a big thing is like the law of surprise. The law of surprise is essentially I will do this and as a reward, I will get something that you have, but you do not know that you have Hmm. yet. Uh so a lot of the times what this ends up relating to is either like like uh there's a marriage that happens through the law of surprise uh there Geralt ends up becoming the protector of Ciri this girl through the law of surprise and it's all about how uh Geralt wanted nothing to do with Ciri um Ciri didn't want anything to do with Geralt but because they refused their destiny, all of these other things happened in the background, which ended up culminating in them and Geralt being the protector of Ciri and Ciri being watched over by Geralt by circumstances unknown Mm -hmm. to them. Um, Hmm. And it's just this really cool play of like this very complex topic of destiny. You have um, Yennefer. Yennefer is this witch who was born with like a lot of physical deformities and she ended up um, becoming a witch because she was naturally attuned to magic because her mom has like elf blood Mm, in her. Interesting. Um, And through that, through the, she ended up going to like a witch's college uh, and she ended up going through this process where her body is essentially torn to its, torn up to its uh, base and then rebuilt. And she is built into this incredibly beautiful witch at the cost of her becoming sterile. Um, Geralt, on the other hand, went through this trial of the grasses, made him sterile. So you have these two people that are unable to bear children who through circumstances uh, uncontrollable by them end up becoming these parental figures to... Siri, this girl who loses her parents.
2: Hmm, Wow. Um, That's how that worked. Okay.
0: Yeah, now I have all this context
2: of the games that I didn't have before. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
0: It's, It's really cool because there's lots of people out there who have never really bothered looking into anything about The Witcher, but still had an incredible time playing the game. And that's just like a testament to CD Projekt Red and how well they were able to execute on their vision. And by the way, did you ever play the DLC? No, I don't think I
2: have. It's Blood so, and Wine or something like that, right?
0: It's essentially an entire other Shh. game.
2: Here I go, I have to download it now.
0: It's like <laughs> I know, it's it's like another like 30, 40 hours of oh, gameplay wow. that is just like actually is like just as good if not better than the original story. Wow. Um But, but yeah, um so it's it's this really unique take on this. Or I guess not necessarily. None of it's really that unique. It's more so that it's executed. The themes of this series are executed in such um, incredible ways that it makes it so easy to digest oh, yeah. uh, over the course of like both video games and books and then the Netflix series. Now... From what I gather, neither of you watched the Netflix series. <laughs> no, no, but Natalie did. Interestingly enough, I okay. So I recommend it. Mm-hmm. It is not the best interpretation of the uh, books, but it's a lot more faithful to it than the games. So in the games, what actually happens is, um, Geralt in the first game, you're introduced to him by him lose, losing all of his memories. Uh, and you are essentially like this this random guy who you just know, like, hey, I'm I know I'm a mutant, I know I'm a witcher, and I know I can do all these crazy things. I don't know what anything that's happened to me though. <laughs> that never even happens in the what? books. Mm-hmm. And that is the first thing that happens in the game. It's like low we'll hanging
2: fruit for a video gamer, you know?
0: <laughs> right. So a lot of people see the video games as essentially this uh this fan fiction We're separate on top canon. of the Witcher universe. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> Cause it picks up at this midway point in the story, um, or in the actual like novels, mm-hmm. but then Witcher three comes around and all of a sudden he has all of his memories again. And that's why it's like the first two games never bring up Yennefer or Siri. And so the Witcher three is the first one to start bringing them up only because Geralt now has his memories back about them. It's very strange. It's a very strange cohesion behind between all of now, them.
1: Now, do they explain uh, that in the game? Like, do they explain how he gets his memories back and, like, what happened? Or do they just kind of, like, go, well, oh, you know what happened. Here's, now we're back on nope. par.
0: Nope.
1: <laughs> hmm, perfect. <laughs> Interesting.
0: Nope, they basically are just like, cool, like, a lot of stuff happened off screen. Like, da 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 Like, but you're taking care of, like, you're essentially you have to look over Siri and you have to find Yennefer and bada bada bing bada boom. You got a full game with all this backstory. And then you have people like Nick who play it and who are just kinda like, Cool, that was fun. I don't know what the <laughs> fuck just happened though. I don't know the so backstory, now...
2: but I get it. I get like you had to protect Siri, blah blah blah, Yennefer, yeah. you know, whatever. That was made made so now clear.
1: In in the third game, is it supposed to be? The third game in the series, like, do they reference the first and second game as well?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, it is it is definitely The Witcher 3. It's not The Witcher... Uh, Reloaded? The Last Wish <laughs> side yeah. story. Right. Yeah, Reloaded. Right.
1: I guess... It's like... I guess what's kind of confusing to me is... So, you're playing the first two games, and they don't bring up Yennefer or siri at all and then in this third game Mm -hmm. they present it to you as though you knew about it the whole time is that is that it
0: basically yeah Mm -hmm. um it is very confusing but to give you uh kind of some backstory into why it was kind of done this way um the cd project red won the rights or got the rights to be able to create a video game off of the series and the uh they ended up having like a pretty tumultuous relationship with andre Sakowski mm-hmm. um hmm. andrei Sipkowski was i don't want to be too presumptuous into the situation, but from the outside he seemed quite dickish <laughs> um to where he did not think that the video games were going to do very well, mm-hmm. so he basically sold the rights to The Witcher um, for these games at a base profit instead of based off the sales of the games. Well, he ended up making just about, I think, $50,000 total Mm -hmm. over the entire thing, where if he would have sold his, like, for a percentage of the profits of the games, he would have made, I don't I'm don't know the numbers, so I'm pulling numbers out of my ass. But to give you an idea, probably close to around like 5 to $10 million.
2: Millions. Wow. Millions um, and millions.
0: Yeah. The third game did incredibly well. First two games also did very well, but nowhere near the success that it had, that the yeah. third had. So
1: do you think it was somewhere along the lines of because he didn't think it was going to be so successful. And I only take this because I know so much about like character rights and like bundling like because sony and marvel did Mm -hmm. that all the time um but do you think it was something along the lines of they were like we want to make a witcher video game and he was like i don't think it's gonna be very successful so i'll tell you what i'll give you the rights to the witcher i'll give you the rights to this one character and you can put him in the world and you can make a game out of him but you don't get any of my other characters in the book and then as it grew more successful he maybe opened up the floodgates and was like all right, here are the other characters. You can work them in your story now.
0: You know, I don't think so, but what I, th- what I think had happened was that, uh, they made the first game. It was CD project red. It was one of their first games. Mm-hmm. So they tried to make it as easy as possible for themselves. Um, well, they ended up through that process, diverting very heavily from, uh, the books mm-hmm. and that caught co- that in and of itself caused a bunch of tension it ended up gaining a lot more popularity than the books. Andrew Sapkowski kind of saw that as a slight, uh, against him, him and his, his storytelling. Mm-hmm. And that created this tumultuous relationship. And for the second game, um, CD project red just went ahead and was just like, cool. I don't, we don't really want to work with you that much. Like we're like, we're glad we have your property rights, but we're going to continue working with the story that we built in the first game. Um, uh, so they went ahead and they did that. Witcher 2 was incredible. Um, I'm actually replaying <laughs> it right now. It's fantastic. Uh, and then after that, uh, it got a ton of money. Andre Sapkowski got more pissed that he wasn't making as much money as he could have. And then The Witcher 3 came out. And it's a beautiful, beautiful masterpiece where they, I guess, somehow worked out their differences. Um, and CD Projekt Red ended up... Uh, going full steam ahead with all the lore that he built out for the books. And it ended up becoming such a more complete and meaningful experience in my mind. Um, you have the first game, which, like, obviously a project, obviously a company's first attempt at a video game. It's like you're, the combat in the game is a rhythm game. Ooh. It's just, can you click the mouse? Yeah, it's like, can you click the mouse when a thing lights up? Cool. All right. Um, second game, it's a little bit better, but it's still very clunky. The third game has a great mm-hmm. combat system. Yep. Uh, it's so much it fun. It does.
2: It really does. Um,
0: yeah, it's, it's really cool, um, combat system where it's like, yes, you are like dodging, you are fighting with your swords. You have to manage, uh, which sword you are using because silver swords have not as many effects against men. But the steel sword doesn't have any effect against monsters, so you have to make sure you're using the corresponding sword based off of what and en- what type of enemy you're fighting. Um, and then you also have signs, which are the like low level magic that you have access to for combat, for protection, for like influencing people. Um, it it kind of is like a slight rip off Jedi from what you're saying. Before. I don't always compare it to like, like dragon shots the...
2: from Skyrim because you have like the
0: The unrelenting
2: force, the foos, you know? And then you have all these other things, Mm -hmm. too, that go along with that. But Skyrim has magic, but that's neither here nor there. But um, that's what I compare them to.
0: Yeah. It's this... uh, It's not... You have the witches and, like, the mages and them who are able to cast spells at a much, like, higher potency. Uh, But then you have the witchers who... Essentially, have boiled down magic to its most efficient usage, specifically right. for combat. Um, so it's 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 really cool to see this uh, uh, this polarization of magic of these people who are these mages and these witches who are sent to uh, basically be advisors for kings, and they are meant to be these powerful. Spellcasters who are incredibly intelligent, uh, who use their magic to both defend the kingdoms but also to make the best decisions possible. And then you have Geralt, who's just pissed off and is using magic to fight bitches. <laughs> mm. Well put,
1: yeah. So, the Witcher <laughs> oh. series, I think, from what you're saying, and again, this is you're informing me on things I never knew about. Um, Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's less about the world or the society, and it's more about uh, your, the Witcher, Gareth, right?
0: Geralt. Geralt.
1: Gareth is a completely different mm-hmm. magical being that we could talk <laughs> I about. I kind messed up about <laughs> Geralt. Um, but, um, <laughs> so it's more about him and how he's involved in the world and kind of breaking the mold of the witcher because he's not necessarily following what a usual witcher does. He's right. a super
0: witcher. Yeah, he is. He's essentially a super witcher. Um,
1: and it's funny. Yeah. That, it's, it's the story
0: yeah. of these characters and how they are essentially affected and how they affect the world. It's much more character driven versus like the world driven driven by the landscape
1: and is that woven um, through the books the video games as well as the netflix series yeah that kind of absolutely. message um, of it's about the characters and what the characters for sure. are doing
0: and i think even nick can attest to this is that like there's a lot going on in the world around you mm-hmm. But you only experience the world as Geralt yeah. does. Yeah, like I want like to know really so much. Like You're learning about the about the It's warfare. like a really good
1: D and D campaign. It kind of sounds like.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, essentially, and that might be one of the reasons why I love the series so much. Is it like I use a lot of the stuff that from these from the series in any game that I write and any character that I come up with mm-hmm. because I love how it is the world has affected these characters in some way. Uh, And it is, the story ends up becoming these characters in the world uh, and how they react to it. Mm -hmm. Um, And like I said before, the themes are just executed so well. So like you have the whole idea of destiny and magic and who is and isn't the real monsters. And so all of that combined um, with this heavily character-driven plot combines for not as like i like i keep saying it's not a unique experience but it's an incredibly high quality experience it's a good yeah. game
1: at a base uh, level It's just a good mm-hmm. game i mean whether it's the, it's a good ma- story because it goes far past the game you know
2: oh yeah yeah you can go deep into the weeds mm-hmm. as they say and you can explore all this lore and go down a million different rabbit holes and it all serves to enrich the original experience which is this story driven you know narrative that's just following around this one guy, Gerald. Um, and the the world... Mm-hmm. Gerald, <laughs> Gerald, sorry, I keep doing that. Um, but the, the world is also massive. Like, it's a giant-ass map. It's four times the size of Skyrim, and it almost resembles, like, the, mm-hmm. the British Isles, if I'm correct in saying that. Um,
1: yeah. Because you have, like, mainland yeah,
2: Great Britain, and then you have Skellige, I think it's called, um, which almost seems to me to be, like, Ireland sure. or Scotland in a weird way. But... Um, yeah, it's a massive map and I think the
0: map even tells its own story too. Mhm. Yeah, it's it's very interesting like as I'm talking about this I'm finding it really hard to talk about it without specifically giving away like spoilers cuz I want anyone listening to this and for you guys to be able to go through and read these stories and experience it in a similar way that I did. Um granted I would highly recommend reading the books before going to the video games again Um, because there's plenty of things that happen. Like the first Witcher game is probably the worst about this where it's just like a person will come up and just be like, Geralt. Hey, do you remember me? Like we did all this cool stuff together." And Geralt's just like, (laughs) sorry, no. It's like, Oh, well, I'm going to act like you do remember. And we're going to still have this incredible character experience together as if we're old time friends. (laughs) We're going to fill in the plot holes. It's like,
1: Oh, (laughs) That's really, yeah. <laughs> that's really stressful, <laughs> it's lazy,
0: yeah, but it works
1: it's yeah, but like it's, you said, it's one of those it, things it where' one of their like first games, so like you yeah. can't really hold them right,
0: you have to if you ever go back and play the first game, you have to look at it through a uh a bit of a wide lens, uh you cannot. Look at it through this, like through trying to pick like everything apart with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to look at it as this holistic part of this experience, or else you will not want to play past the first hour. So, do you think that you could? That was.
1: Do you think that you could get the full experience from just reading the books, or from like just playing the video games, or from just watching the TV show? Do you think that it takes all three? To get the full wide experience of The Witcher? Good question.
0: I would say the TV show is not far enough along yet. Um, But you can experience a majority of the world and the story through the individual mediums. Okay. Um, So like you can play the video games... And you can get a pretty good sense of the world and what is going on. Um, granted you yourself have to fill in quite a few of the holes. And a lot of it is like not very far reaches. It's like you meet a dwarf and he references a bunch of stuff that happened in the past, but he does so in a way that, um, makes it really easy for you to fill in the holes. Um, and then you have, uh, like the books and the books are the most holistic experience. Mm -hmm. Um, where you can fully understand the world and the characters and what they are um,
1: and how it affects them. So would you suggest and like see what... going straight to the books and then developing your love from there to check out the other stuff?
0: If I were to do it over again, yeah. That's right. what I would recommend. Because, I mean, um, it's my first time wish... i got
1: to do it right the first time, you know?
0: Yeah. And just to make it easier on everyone who's listening into this, because there are so many books and there is, it is not in like a very convenient order. Mm -hmm. Um, Like it's essentially, it's not labeled as the Witcher one, the Witcher two, the Witcher three, the Witcher four. We're not talking about the Witcher four prisoner. of (laughs) Um, (laughs) To give people who want to read it in a, like uh, in the best order possible. You want to read it in The Last Wish, Sword of Destiny, Blood of Elves, Time of Contempt, Baptism of Fire, The Tower of the Swallow, The Lady of the Lake, and then The Season of Storms. There are lists upon lists on the internet of the correct reading order for The Witcher. A lot of them are very different, but this is what I found to be the most enjoyable experience Mm -hmm. um, because you keep things uh you still start with the two short story collections because those were written without any idea of any of these other experiences from the saga in mind so everything is kind of self-contained and it gives you a really good feel of who geralt is and the world around him and then you move into uh the saga starting with the Sword of destiny all the way to the lady of the lake, which that is completely devoted to the story of Geralt, Siri, and, uh, uh, Yennefer. Um, and it references a good amount of the stuff in the two short story collections. And then eventually into the season of storms, the season of storms is really unique because it's its own standalone, standalone story, but it references a lot of things that happen uh, in the other books, even though it technically happens, I believe, in between Sword of Destiny and Blood of Elves. Hmm. So it happens in between the last short story collection and the first novel of the uh, the saga, but references things in both.
1: So, it's weird. so that's your definitive list. <laughs> really weird. Right now. I'm looking up on eBay right now, The Last Wish. Because I, I'm gonna buy it as as we're recording this. Oh, you podcast. can you can rent it from me. I have them. When nobody has Fucking a... rent it from you. Rent for money. You're gonna <laughs> charge me money. That's right. No, Toss a coin to your local it. Nick. Toss a coin to your, <laughs> to your Nick.
0: <laughs> I'm
1: kidding. But
0: yeah, and so we haven't really talked too much about the the show, uh, the Netflix series, partially because. Uh, It is good. Mm -hmm. I will say it is a good series. It is not the best interpretation of the books, in my opinion. Um, It leans very heavily onto the aspect of the uh, short story collections, where you have these individual um, stories that are happening to these characters, which seemingly is happening all at the same time until the last three episodes, where things that have happened in the first episode are now happening to a different character at this time. And it becomes a confusing mess that ends up you're getting. So essentially you're getting the backstory, some backstory to Geralt, some backstory to Yennefer at the same time that you're getting this backstory to Siri, who for the most part is a, hasn't been born while we're talking about Yennefer's backstory or Geralt's, uh, and it starts with this thing that is happening at the beginning of series story, is like episode one, and then this part ha- like corresponds with this stuff that's happening in the second to last episode in Geralt's story. Very confusing. I
1: feel like it that's a very weird writing mechanic for the show writers. Um, who are they're trying to tie in like you talked about the idea of fate and like predetermined destiny by saying like Mm -hmm. this stuff that happened happened for a reason because if it didn't then all this other stuff wouldn't have happened and that's kind of what they're getting at but man that's super confusing to do it so late yeah so much later on Well, and
0: part of it, part of it too is like in any series you need enough time for a character's story to really digest Mm -hmm. like like i'm trying to think like though if you go back to like the game of thrones and if you haven't watched the game of thrones like at this point just watch the first like four or five seasons and
1: then just stop. <laughs> hey that's what i did of them are not good that's what i did uh- <laughs> awesome
0: but you have like uh oh i can't remember his name but he was the steward to the starks who Tony? uh
1: yeah he's like dad was do you like get stuff the iron way or whatever is that who we're talking about?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You pay the iron price oh, yeah, or whatever. yeah, yeah, pay the iron um,
1: price.
0: Yeah, it's like you have that guy who, um, for a majority of the story, is an absolute dickbag. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, he is just like a, the biggest douchebag in the land. Absolutely um, correct. But through, because you spend so much time with him, experiencing his story, um, when shit really goes wrong for him, like you see that, how quick that transition is. And because the shit's so horrible, you believe that transition. Yeah. Um, but if we didn't spend that much time with him, like there's no way we would have, people would have connected with that or cared about that side of the story nearly as much. Um, and they try and do something like that in the TV series, in the Netflix series to establish that same sort of connection. But it, Gets very, like, it gets very weird because you're trying to connect a child story with the backstory of full grown adults at the same time, and it's just it doesn't work yeah. super well. And I'll be the first. You're person jumping around. Is that the end
1: of the? Is that the end of the season that all of this happens?
0: So quick rundown without uh, spoilers. Go ahead. You start with uh, so you have. The beginning of Ciri's story, mm-hmm. uh, which happens over the course of like a day or a night. Um, and then at the same time, you have the start of Geralt's story. Geralt's story happens essentially like 10, 15 years in the past from when you're experiencing Ciri's story. Um, you are experiencing like all the stuff that happens to Siri over the course of like a month or so. While at the same time you're experiencing all this stuff that has happened to Geralt over this fifteen year period, mm-hmm. uh, without it ever directly telling you like when something is happening, uh-huh. versus the time that you're experiencing with Siri. So it's just like thing happens with Siri, thing happens with Siri, thing happens with Siri, and all of a sudden it's like okay, cool, now it's Geralt. Like now we ha thing happens with Geralt, thing happens with Geralt. Cut to Siri, Siri, Geralt, Geralt, Siri, Yennefer, Yennefer, Geralt, Siri, and it makes it um, feel like
1: the kid is like the same age. Which is weird, or yeah. Like going through it it's at the very same time—that can be very yeah, and confusing. it's it's
0: also right, and it's also very confusing because they never actually talk about time. It's just you pick it up through context clues. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'll give you an idea: um, a character in the first episode dies, who's like an important character. Um, mm-hmm. Well, randomly, while you're experiencing Geralt's story because it's happening in the past, Geralt meets her. And so it's just like, cool, like the thing happens to Siri, this character died four or five episodes ago. Now we're trotting along with Geralt and all of a sudden she's alive and well. And it's just like the fuck happened. <laughs> it's confusing. <laughs> like what the
1: hell is going on here? Yeah, that's just bad planning. Right. There are there are ways so, in cinema to allude to something happening in the past. Like usually there's a if there's a B plot and then there's a backstory, it'll go they'll have some B plot that has flashbacks and that explains to you like this is happening now i don't know i haven't seen it i'd have to watch it but that sounds so weird
0: yeah and then i will also say that henry cavill's interpretation of geralt despite him not being like a good physical fit um oh and if you ever saw the original uh costume uh test it's horrible it's absolutely horrible I highly encourage both of you to go look at it. Yeah. I'll oh, um, entertain it. And then uh, they fixed it up and they cleaned it up. And Henry Cavill ended up becoming an incredible interpretation of Geralt. Um, he, to give you an idea, his most iconic line in the series is essentially just, yep. fuck. I saw the memes for that. Uh, and he does it. Oh, yeah. He does it with so much, like, so much bravado and he does it like so perfectly that it just like, it hits you. And it's just like, that feels good. That's (laughs) a a good good fuck. fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: Is the costume test Uh, where he kind of looks like, uh, is it, is it this one here? I'm showing you.
0: It's, it's the one where you can absolutely tell that he's wearing a wig.
1: Yes. Yeah. Oof. That one. (laughs) That's rough. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so, um, But yeah, so I I would still highly suggest the TV series. And I think because there's all this inconsistency and all these problems with the Netflix series, that despite that, it's still an incredible story. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would highly suggest for both of you guys to go and watch it. Um, Yeah, Um, let's see. Anything else I want to talk about? Well, here, let's leave it at this. Uh, do you guys have any questions
1: about the series? I got all my questions out.
0: <laughs> okay. I know this has been like more of a rambly uh, time for me. You entertained and, me. Like this hasn't been my most organized. Uh, it was an introduction. Hosting session.
1: An introduction to the witcher. Yeah, there you go. Uh, including a, sh- a short question and answer yeah. uh, segment. And you right. know what? You convinced me to buy the book right here so you did something right. <laughs>
0: oh, nice. And I will go and watch the, the Netflix. Yeah, I just, I just finished
1: book.
0: I just finished the first book, but if you want to, I will reread it with you and we can go along together. We can do hey, we can do an internal entertain this book club. I can't Aww. I can't read.
1: You know what? That sounds awesome. Can't read. And if you guys if you guys subscribe to our Patreon, you too can get in on the action of art. No, I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs> We're not begging for money just yet. That would actually be a dope idea. Like actually like cuz I know that we talked about opening a Discord like yeah. for people from the Patreon and we could have like a channel in the Patreon dedicated to a book club. Yeah. It should be really book club, down. Yeah, Hey,
1: that'd be pretty dope.
0: So, I think that pretty much concludes everything that I wanted to talk about. With yeah. I want to go so play the game. Again.
1: There is something that I want to bring up real quick. Um, just because it, yeah, it works it. as a nice segue. Um, and I should also mention, uh, we we're going to bring uh, Nick from Universal Studios back to do the quick this, but uh, this is very relevant for the time. Everything down in Orlando is opening back up. Disney, is opening back up and um, Universal is opening back up, which is great news for our guests that we brought on uh, the last two weeks mm-hmm. for our two-part debate. This, um, and we're really happy for him. But for that reason, Nick is busy getting ready because he goes back to work uh, as of recording this. He goes back to work tomorrow, which is really exciting and we're really happy for him. Yeah, good um, for him. But because of that, sure. because of that, he unfortunately could not be back to do quick this. So I am doing it. Uh, doing it instead uh, but that's alright because I have some some really cool things I want to talk about uh, but as a quick segue from the Witcher into what I want to talk about um, on the Wikipedia for the Witcher which I had been scrolling through as you were talking there is a mm-hmm. um, there is a uh, not not references but like uh, different sources of inspiration that he took and oh yeah a couple that are listed which I think is really interesting is Snow White and they're characters that allude to being I should say uh Snow White Mm -hmm. and Rumpelstiltskin and things like that which is really cool how he's kind of the Witcher is kind of in that way taking a different take on the fairy Mm -hmm. tale genre which I love I've always been a huge fan of taking um like the the Grimm's fairy tales, flipping them on their head and giving them new meaning. I think that's something that uh, definitely needs to be explored more um, in media, and I think it's something. Yeah, that... there's like go ahead.
0: There's a very interesting part of the the Last Wish, which is essentially it's a, an interpretation of the Beauty and Beauty and the Beast, mm-hmm. where you have this man who is cursed and is now this <laughs> beast. <laughs> I uh, didn't want to say of it. this beautiful woman. <laughs> But instead of having like this beautiful woman who he captures and who learns to love him and like yada, 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 like you get some of that. This woman who doesn't talk ends up coming there, but she ends up being this like vampire who feeds off of his dreams, but they actually end up still falling in love. That's Um, good. And it's essentially like as if you took a more hardcore version of these fantasy, these, uh, fairy tales and then inserted a monster hunter into that it's a good take
1: which is super neat yeah i really like it a lot yeah um and it's something and that then
0: you get the continuous you get the continuous story of that monster hunter and as he grows from those different experiences so good.
1: yeah and i mean that's something as a writer i've done a lot of writing uh not a lot of it has been released to the public but it's something that i've experienced experimented with a lot um is taking these kind of fairy tales from our childhood and kind of making them uh, more adult, which is something that I... It's what's honestly drawing me into The Witcher is this idea that it takes place in this universe. Mm. And, like, this is Mm -hmm. the unfluffed version of it. Um, And that takes us directly into uh, my quick this uh, for the week, which I am doing on a show that has probably been around for a while, but I am just now getting into. And um, it found its way onto Netflix, which, uh, often shows do community. Also, it happened, um, that the show gets canceled and gets picked up by Netflix. And I know there are some shows that even can see, uh, revivals on Netflix, uh, as they gain their popularity back and, um, new seasons are created by Netflix and continued on from there. Uh, community that happened, but it, I think it was with Yahoo video ended up making the last season of community. And, uh, Things like that are definitely possible. But the reason that I bring all that up is because I found the show Galavant, which uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with. Nope. In any way. So just going over kind of what Galavant is, and it almost relates to The Witcher. Um, Galavant is a knight who lives in kind of this fairy tale um kind of universe and at the beginning of the show he is with this woman that he loves there's this whole intro that kind of gives the the preface of the show uh it's this big musical number that sings about galavant um actually written by Alan Menken who is the writer of a lot of disney uh movies like little mermaid things like that um he actually is a writer on the show, Galavant. Um, and in this intro, it talks about how Gallivant is this awesome knight. Who's in love with this beautiful woman and this evil King kidnaps her away. And that's where the show starts is he has to go save this woman he loves. And it's like this fairy tale come to life in front of you. And he goes to save the woman that he loves. And he gives that big roaring, like awesome speech of like, I'm here to save her. And she'll come with me and she'll never choose you because we're in love. And it doesn't matter how rich or how famous you are or how much money you could give her. She's going to come with me because her and I are in love. And the music picks up and everything swells. And then it cuts off and she goes, well, I would go with you. But being rich and famous seems like it'd be a lot easier. And she Oof. picks the evil king over Galavan. <laughs> And Galavant's left hanging his head, kicked out of the kingdom. And she's now this queen with this evil king. And Galavant goes back to his village that he was living at and basically becomes depressed. Like, any guy going through a breakup like this would, he, like, starts eating more, stops taking care of himself, stops doing knight things. And, like, at the time he was the super famous knight. Um. And he, like stops being this great adventurer and just becomes this slop who gets drunk all the time, and, like has a five o'clock shadow and his hair's going crazy and he hasn't changed <laughs> in three days and like while all of that is going on, um, this princess shows up and is like, You you must be the great knight gallivant that I've heard so much about And he's like, uh, I'm not no, I'm not him. And there are these big musical numbers that go on all the time that basically she's like, you have to come help me save my parents from this evil king. And it's the same evil king who stole his wife away or who stole his girlfriend away. Right. And so now he has this agenda of I need to go save this woman's parents. Um, And at the same time, I need to win back the woman I love. And so he starts on this adventure it's him, this princess, who, like, kind of breaks all the rules of being a princess, and his uh, his assistant so much so. Um, and they're going on this adventure, and there's a bunch of twists and turns, and the whole thing is written out to be this really funny comedy. Like, you find out that the evil king is actually this really sweet guy with this really tragic backstory, and he's kind of, like dumb but he's doing his best and like maybe he's selfish and that's kind of what makes him evil but he's not a bad guy and like this whole thing happens over the first season that's incredible it got here's here's my thing here's why i want to talk about and the reason why i've gone into this giant rant is because i've watched it all the way through at this point because there are only two seasons on netflix and it was abc abc gave it two seasons abc canceled it and gave it to netflix Um, basically it was like, you can have these two seasons. But there is no more Galavant after these two seasons. And Mm. it's a shame because it's so well written and Alan Menken's on board and he's writing all the music and it plays out like a Disney movie for adults live action, which is incredible. And the reason why I'm talking about it is, and the reason that I'm kind of getting people more aware of it is um, there have been interviews with the cast of Galavant. And In these interviews, they were like, yeah, the writers of the show, Alan Menken and his writing partner, who kind of took charge of it, whose name I unfortunately don't know because his name isn't Alan Menken, (laughs) uh, but I can probably find real quick, um, Dan Fogelman. um, Dan Fogelman has written out what is is equal to a Bible of backstory and plot for the show Gallivant. That could span over eight seasons that he never got to put on. And the entire cast has read it, and they're excited about it, and they want to do it. Hmm. And with this new life that it's found on Netflix, there's this opportunity for them to do it. And I just want to promote that and say, like, hey, yo, get on there. Go sign this petition. Let's see if we can get the word out. Go watch Galavan on Netflix. Make the decision for yourself. But if you love it as much as I do... I want to use this quick this to just be like sign a petition, start tweeting Netflix, start like getting the word out. Let's get Gallivant back on the air. Let's get season three. Let's get season four. Let's take it community style. Six seasons in a movie. Let's do it. (laughs) You know? That's where I'm at. That's it. That's my I took six minutes, but I'm passionate about it. I love Gallivant. That's it. And you know what? It ties into The Witcher. They're very similar. Yeah. That's awesome.
0: I, I realize I have heard about this, and like I looked up pictures as you were talking about it. Gallivan is actually... I, Jade, my girlfriend, has talked with me about it a bunch, and we wanted to use uh, some of these images as inspiration for my first uh, uh, Renfair costume. Oh. Yeah.
1: yeah, there you go. Funny enough, uh, I actually have um, a very similar kind of story. Because my first Ren Fair costume, I wanted to base it off of Shakespeare from Shakespeare in Love. And you should Google that real quick mm. and look at his costume from Shakespeare yeah. in Love. Because he has this sick leather jacket that he wears throughout the entire thing. And it's like this blue leather that uh, has like this popped <laughs> collar with all this red velvet on the inside. And it's absolutely gorgeous. Nice. <laughs> and I, I want that jacket so bad for Ren Fairs because it's just an incredible jacket. Uh...
0: That would be amazing. Yeah,
1: you know what? Now that I look at it, the guy from Shakespeare in Love looks a hell of a lot like Galavant. <laughs> is I don't think it's the same. No, guy. it's not the same person. No, no,
0: no, 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 no. No, no it says uh, Shakespeare is Joseph Fiennes.
1: Sounds right. I don't know. Yeah. But they're different people. Anyway, oh, oh, oh.
0: He's uh, he's related to uh, the guy who played Voldemort. Well,
1: Ralph that's pianist. interesting. It's an interesting little tidbit yeah. for you. Hmm. Anyway, Gallivant's yeah, fun. A bit of you guys should go watch this. it.
0: Yeah, a little little extra tidbit onto this. Quick, I learned a lot <laughs> go.
1: There's a lot to be learned out there <laughs> in the world of entertainment, and that's why this podcast exists. There you go, 100%. I was talking recently, this is just extending the episode, but people might be interested. I was talking recently (laughs) with some friends. Um, but I think our entertain this podcast is, uh, I would say it's 80% entertainment, 20% educational. Yeah. Which I really love. I think that's great that we're constantly getting like into the britches of these things and like learning new things constantly. I think that learning is fine quality. Um, you're right and i hope yeah. that you guys enjoyed it Granted, go ahead
0: granted this this week was a little bit more of a book report than most of our <laughs> other weeks but that's okay but
1: if they go read the book like that's an english lesson right there so yeah, yeah. and i love that about our podcast i hope you guys all enjoyed uh this episode and i know that i'm going to enjoy reading this new book that i just ordered off ebay as soon as it comes in <laughs> and i'll give our our listeners a little a little uh a little of my own book report as to what I thought about the first book in the series. Um, but I'm excited for next week. Cause next week I'm hosting and you know what? It might be another kind of book report episode, but it's something I'm really excited about. So make sure you guys tune in next week for another fresh episode of entertain this
0: entertain this. Goodbye. Bye. See you.
1: This episode of Entertain This was produced, written, and hosted by Nick Mustakangis, Michael Savoya, and Alex Steele. Our theme music is Rush Bubble by Aaron Spencer. Tune in every Friday for new episodes. Thanks for listening.